Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. And this week, Francesca's joined us for an awesome conversation, one that will make your hair grayer than it might already be. Will it? It might. So, <laughs> of all the things in the universe that make my hair gray, or white, or weird... <laughs> like there's so many things that could happen to my hair but the thing that i think has changed it the most is is a stressful element i think as many of you guys have seen uh, some of our u.s presidents get gray very quickly they go through plenty of decision making that i'm sure every now and again they're they're like mr president what what are you going to do about this color of this office that you have to do and then he pops out another gray hair <laughs> And so with all the color choosing and all of the decision making, we have been in a zone of thinking about a lot of stuff in the last three months, uh, getting ready for the rest of 2015 and planning things that are pretty, pretty big and pretty epic. And as you guys have seen, we've put up a couple of new calls for art. And before I get to the details of why I'm so old and gray, um, I'm going to let you talk a little bit, Jenny, about what's coming up and what things people can find on the blog. Sure. Um, so there are a couple things right now you guys should definitely take a look at. Uh, the first of those is the Guts Call for Art. That is up through this Wednesday, the 25th. Uh, that's the end of the Call for Art. So if you want to apply, you should put your name down, put your website down, and check out all the details. So we're looking to get to the bottom of things, see the inside, discover what's beneath or what's below or what's inside or underneath or all of those varieties. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a show that includes both originals and prints. Um, so if you want to check out all the people who've been applying, if you want to check out some of the great examples, you can see the works on the blog. Um, there's also going to be a featured artist, Lana Crooks, that will be uh, showing an entire collection of her work for the exhibition and will actually be here for the opening reception. So it's pretty special. So that opening will be April 17th from 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, we also have a second call for art on the blog. I don't know if you want to tell everyone about that one. Sure. Our second call for art is called Cosmos. It is featuring 100 celestial bodies, including 88 amazing constellations, all of which I'm sure you guys can see as you look up at the night sky. And we are not only doing an art show, but it will be illuminated. I will let you think about what that might mean. Uh, but all of the artists involved also will see their artwork come to life in a printed deck that we're making. So if those of you guys out there uh, that are into astrology or want to see what the cosmos have in store for you, you guys know that we're big fans of uh, otherworldly things. Uh, we'll be putting together this deck so that you can see how all of the 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 universe can inspire you uh, and answer some of those questions about you know, what's to come. And that'll be a, a secondary part of the project mm -hmm. that's coming up this September. So the call for art is up through March 12th. So if you know anybody that's into astronomy or astrology or anything of that nature, come on over to the blog and you can see the details for all of those types of things. Mm -hmm. We have an extra special event coming up in the next month. It's just a month away is the opening reception for Boss Rush, which is an exhibition that features 115 plus artists illustrators, designers who are commemorating their favorite bosses and bad guys from all the best video games. So I don't know, Chris, if you want to tell people what you're making for that show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will probably be making The End, one of the best Metal Gear Solid 3 bosses and one of the best bosses of all time. 
So that's probably what I will do. I that's should have awesome. done it already, but I'm... you should have done it already. <laughs> yeah, just a couple more days. Yeah. yeah. So the opening reception for that is going to be March 20th from 7 to 10 p.m. So mark your calendars for that. And then the very next weekend, we'll be moving artwork over to the Minneapolis GlitchCon, uh, the 28th and 29th. And we will have a special showcasing of some of the best works from Boss Rush and also teaching a class on how to make pixel art, and make platformer video games. So it'll be super fun if you guys want to find tickets for GlitchCon, see the panels and all the people that will be participating. You can check it out on the GlitchCon website. So, Yeah, and we'll make sure to link to that in the podcast notes so you guys can find that easily. So back to our topic here. So the other day I was sitting, actually I was standing, and I was standing in a room full of students um, at... MCAD for a sophomore seminar presentation. And the presentation, I think I mentioned it last week, was all about what what I've done to this point and how my decisions have sort of created the artistic lifestyle that I have today. And there was a point in my conversation where I was talking about how a lot of decisions that I've had to make have been kind of stressful decisions and ones where I wasn't really confident in what I was doing as I was making those decisions and trying to decide whether or not going forward with some of these things was worth the risk or not worth the risk. And I kind of just admitted to everybody out there that I don't think that stress ever really goes away when you try and do something crazier than something you've done in the past or if it's a totally new experience or if you you go out on a limb I think everybody experiences a ton of apprehension and a little bit of fear and a little bit of nerves. And that's where those gray hairs pop up. And that's what I was saying. I think there's a lot of hard decisions and hard thinking that that comes with those. So as I was sitting there, I was I was describing um, to all those guys that even things as, I guess, as uh, kind of normal for us as a call for art sometimes even elicits some of these feelings for me. So, for example, the other day I was sitting here right before we launched the Cosmos Call for Art, and I stared at Chris, and then I stared at Jenny, and then I thought of Francesca, <laughs> and then I thought to myself, have I thought of every single tiny detail? Am I doing this right? Will people want to do this? I have no idea. And you sit there staring at a call for art that you've written, wondering whether or not it's perfect, and whether or not people are going to want to participate and whether or not you're you're putting something out there that's going to make you look like you know what you're doing or you don't know what you're doing. And I remember turning to, to Jenny and Chris and saying, what happens if nobody wants to do this project? You know, and I had spent the last like, I don't know, month and a half quoting these this deck of cards and figuring out how to do all the lighting for this crazy project. And I was like, oh, my God. So. Both of you guys kind of rolled your eyes and said, oh, my God. I said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. That's the scary part. Like, we've been planning and brainstorming and talking about this idea for such a long time that, I don't know, in the past couple months has probably really flushed itself out and you've had a really good idea of what it is that you want this project to be. And so by the time we launched it, I was like, there is no way – that people are not going to want to participate in this. I want to participate in this. Like it seems like something that 
is, um, I don't know, related to what people are interested in right now. It's like an interesting topic in itself. It has like scientific and research elements. And you launched it and then instantly had a panic attack. I did. And that's usually what happens. I instantly have a panic attack anytime I do anything. And it's funny because you would think after practice and practice and more practice that you just get used to it and you wouldn't care. Well, I think that's why I or Jenny and I roll our eyes is because you do the exact same thing before every launch. I do. Call for it, where you <laughs> read it and then you're like, look at this and read it and then tell me what's wrong with it. And then we do and we're like, it looks fine. And you're like, are you sure? Are you sure? It's sh- read it again. And then you like spend another hour or two writing it some more and then you're like, read it again. And then so like, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is my question for you guys. I know that that's my specific case that I do over and over and over again and no amount of practice ever alleviates that feeling of stress. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things pop up in your lives that you have a similar feeling? Is it just and why does that happen? Well, I think I think it happens to you for the calls for arts because you're in charge of the call for art. It's the multiple calls for art, calls for art, that's what it is. <laughs> um and I think we would probably feel the same way if we were kind of the ones who had to launch it because you're kind of like the final say. So is it is it just because you're worried decision making that the president has to get in? You know, it's like the the final say is the hard say, and that's why people in CEO positions get paid the big bucks because if something fails hard, they're the first ones to kind of be get held fired. Responsible. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> held responsible by the board members or whatever. So if this call for it goes poorly, it, you know, it reflects on you first because you're the one who or at least you feel like it reflects on you first so um, i do anything that we're in charge of i feel like we probably have a similar apprehension about but it's funny because i i sat there and i stood in front of all the sophomore seminar students and i said but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like it's it's like one of those things where i think so hard about the best case scenario and hope i'm like i'm hopeful that it'll be perfect and that I've thought of all the details and all that kind of stuff. But when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, well, even if it didn't blow up into something or even if I couldn't get people interested in a topic, like it's not going to kill me. Like I'm not going to get fired. <laughs> you know, like there there are things that are not going to happen to me if it doesn't go amazingly. But I still can't convince myself sometimes just to chill out for a second, you know. So there are other circumstances that are pretty similar. And and Jenny and Francesca, I'm going to ask you about this. It's probably one of your least favorite topics, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway. So, <laughs> so, so I think it might be tied to, to what's up with my, my call for art fear mm-hmm. here. So when I do a call for art, I worry that no one's going to show up. And I know that's a legitimate fear because it is – kind of sad if you're standing there waiting and like for example if I was out to dinner and I was waiting for a new friend to show up or something like that and they never did I would feel kind of embarrassed sitting there I would feel kind of salty I'd feel mad (laughs) that somebody didn't follow through or something like that and I'd also feel really self-conscious about what did I do to deserve this fate you know and I was going to ask you about a certain time. Yes, I a know while exactly ago. Exactly what time you're referring to. Yeah, I thought about it too. <laughs> so tell me <laughs> what was this and tell um, me tell me how this worked and tell me why that feeling creeps up even though it shouldn't be a problem. So 
maybe it was a year ago was it last january francesca yeah it was it was winter i want to say it was more like march ish yeah but so it was winter but it was the end of winter yeah well francesca and i um we had just maybe six months before published the in place book and we had done several artist talks we did a bunch of like meet and greets we had the big opening reception and tons of people came and it was really like well received um and we had been working with majors and quinn bookstore which is like a local bookstore that's really close to here and they were housing our books there and we were invited to do an artist talk and to talk about the project and we invited a ton of people and promoted it and francesca and i had several meetings and got together and made this big presentation and then the day of, nobody showed up at all. Nope. Zero people. And it was nope. horrifying. So can you can you explain, like, not to make you go super... Not I mean, even Chris and Lindsay came. <laughs> it was literally just me and Jenny. <laughs> so when you're sitting there, so so describe this this panic that sets in. Are you, You're standing there and what? It, and the time for action is happening where you would have talked about the project. And, and what, then what happens? I think we just sort of we just sort of um, continued to console each other, which is what I thought was of. Even though it was a really kind of disheartening experience, it wasn't as bad as it could have been because we did have each other. So we, yeah. and I think that that's the interesting thing is whenever, whenever I'm in like a a pressing situation if i am with someone else i will try to assume a role that is like like the the role that's not being taken so either as the panicker or as the person who is assuring confidence do you and remember which one you were that day i would flip back and forth i remember i distinctly <laughs> remember we would go back and forth like one one minute i'd be like mad about it and then you'd be like oh no no people show up don't worry and then the next minute yeah, I remember you'd be worrying about it, and I'd be like, we'll, we'll be fine. So we, we would do that back and forth for, like, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty I good. Think, I don't know. I, I think back to that day, too, because it was, like, something that sticks out as, like, a moment where you're, like, everything that we're doing and working towards and all the work that went into coordinating and working with the bookstore and making sure something like that could happen, it was a lot of work, and so it's disheartening when nobody, like – cares to come to it which yes it was like snowy outside it was in the middle of an afternoon on a Saturday like you can't blame anyone for not going and I feel guilty all the time for not going to other people's stuff too but I can't tell what would be worse if two people showed up and then everyone those two people were like this is a dud or (laughs) or if nobody shows up and until this very moment everyone just assumed that it went great yeah that well that's a good question it's and that's what I was kind of trying to figure out is why does that stress still happen when in reality no there's no horrible detriment that's happened if two or zero people show up you just kind well, of walk home and then you feel kind of weird yeah but- I, I don't know I, I took it like a little the the worst thing was it was a little bit of a slam it did feel like a slam like I like it, a self-confidence one where you're like what did I do yeah, wrong yeah yeah I mean because you're like you're like, okay, well, why did no one, why did absolutely no one show up? And we did spend time on it, you know? So, I mean, it's, it is, I get that way too. Like if I post a piece that I really like and I do not get a adequate reception, 
mm-hmm. feel kind of gross because it's like, well, I actually really like this thing. I don't let it determine how much I like the thing, but it does make me feel bad. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things that I think that that's probably the root of where that fear comes from is just to think that nobody appreciates whatever that thing is that you've spent a lot of time on. And that's the same thing with the calls for art. That's the same thing with the Majors and Quinn book situation. It's the same thing when you post a piece of art online. And it's one of those things where it's it's not like a like you lost a bunch of money or something like that. Or it's not like no. you can't regain some sort of use for that thing you just posted or right. did. And, it, and you're, it doesn't that doesn't determine your value as a person, which I think is what constantly needs to be reminded. But you know, I think you, sometimes you feel bad. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think of that time when you have to do it again? Does it come back um, as a nagging random thing in the back of your head? Do you worry about it? That, like if you have to do a public event and do you think, yes. oh my God, that thing. Remember that thing? Yeah, but but the cool thing is once you've lived through it, at least this is how I feel, is that it doesn't seem so bad because we got through that okay. And then yeah. we went out for drinks after. And it was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I don't know. I and the confusing part about that event, that specific event, and why it's kind of nice that it just happened that one time is we put on events multiple times a month, and events like for the past three years we've probably put on I don't know like fifty or sixty or seventy events, and every time there's tons of people that come, and it's always refreshing to see new faces. I don't know, to have openings or meet and greets where there's hundreds of people attending, it's reassuring that we're on like the right track. And so I think for us here, like there are comforts in knowing that maybe that was just like a fluke or that was some like random thing that people were like, oh, we attended the opening, so we don't need to come to this again or something, something was going on. We could also logic the reasons about why, why it didn't turn out or why it didn't work but I also think it's important to keep in mind that sometimes there is no logical reason for stuff sometimes stuff just happens that's just a hard lesson (laughs) and that's just you gotta live with it and that's okay and that's why I asked about it because I do know if it were me I would be thinking about that time so here's here's another thing if we're going into the universe of telling stories that have shaped the I guess the bottom scrapings of like how you might feel you know so we do some serious research when we decide to go on a trip or do a workshop or something like that. And I think our very first year, I put together a program. And looking back, now I realize why it was so difficult for me to feel confident about it. But I put together a program where um, I was expecting people to want to do this travel workshop and the details of it weren't worked out in a way that they made sense together. It was so close to the timing that it would have been really difficult for anybody to actually get a plane ticket or to go wherever. And I panicked the entire time I was creating this experience. And it was funny because I was I was thinking like, where's my panic coming from? Is it coming from the fact that I'm taking a risk to do this? Because I would like to do the thing that I'm preparing for. Or is it because I inherently know there's something wrong with my plan? Mm-hmm. Or is it some just combo of nerves and both? You know? I think it's it's the that you don't know. Like I think that uncertainty that you're even describing right now is what makes it nerve-wracking. Because if you knew everything that was going to happen, you probably wouldn't feel as panicky. You're right. Like, you know? Do you think you'd yes. be like, just, I'm just going through the motions and 
there's, you know, like I have a pretty good idea or almost exactly the idea of what the outcome will be. So here's what I did. I put it up there and then three hours later pulled it down off the internet and never let anybody try to sign up for it. I mm-hmm. took it completely off. I'm sure you guys remember that because yeah. I'm sure yeah, I, I remember I it. Exactly yeah. And I called you guys and I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And I, and I, you know, and usually when I panic like that, I leave it up there and then I yeah. wait 15 minutes and then something happens, right. you know, but that time I got so stressed that I pulled it down and I, I felt like at least in the safety of me pulling it down. I was in control of the failure of it and it somehow made me feel a tiny bit better that even if that idea was a piece of crap, I was the one that destroyed it and not having to go through my double failure. Yeah, you know? well, I was going to ask if you think when you have those moments of panic, yeah, if you think there's some like, I don't know, intuitive something going on where you're like, I know there's a problem with this but I can't like pinpoint it, but it's just like a gut feeling that you have that something's wrong where it's either like from your research or knowledge of something that's like filtering through. I think sometimes like all the time I'd like to think that, that a person's intuition is useful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like (laughs) not just on my mystical zone where I get all up into that, but, but truly I feel like you get weird, weird vibes from things. And I think you should listen to you yourself I can handle a certain amount of weird vibes. And if there's an overwhelmingly positive counterpoint to it, I will usually just ignore a small weirdness if I can kind of see how it could be counterbalanced. Just as a overall business life strategy, I think you and I have learned to trust that feeling most of the time though. Like if it is like overwhelming, like a bad idea, um, I think we were maybe burned enough times where we're like, this seems like a bad idea, but it's also could be a really good idea. We don't know which way it's going to go. And then we just kind of ended up forcing it to work. And then it ended up being a really bad idea. In the past. Yeah. Yeah. So now if we're kind of coming down to the deadline where we still feel like, I don't even know how to describe the feeling, but there's definitely a feeling where we can just sit there and say, we both have the feeling Mm-hmm. We should just bail on this right now because it's a horrible idea. And and so even the possibility, even though the possibilities might be pretty great. And Chris, uh, I don't. Rem- I'm sure there's a couple things that are coming to your mind when you're talking about this. One of them was when we tried to live with five people. That's the one. Oh, that's a big one that came in to a mind. house. <laughs> we tried to live in five. Like some somebody somebody rehabbed a crappy house that used to be a crack house down the street. Okay, there's number first thing that <laughs> and it was in a horrible neighborhood and it was. Uh, a bunch of friends that we kind of knew, but we also kind of knew maybe some of them weren't so reliable. But the idea of living in a big house with a bunch of friends in a space that was bigger. It was it was pretty is huge. A massive like house outweighed all of the signs that it was a horrible idea, including the fact that construction was not even done on that place. Construction wasn't done. People couldn't figure out if they were going to have their money. So we were trying to like help them figure out how to line up their money. We were just... Like every setback, we would like figure out a way to overcome it. But we were like, but think, think about how amazing this would be if we all lived in this like awesome giant place and we could each have the it was massive like some giant artist commune or something. Yeah, and we we're like, oh, so cool. And and but it was funny because even with that idea, though, we were like, well, maybe sometimes you just have to work really hard for something. You just make it work, right? You know, which you is, just... I mean, which is a valid argument. Like... And then. Uh... <laughs> 
And then it was really stupid. It was stupid. Everything fell apart in that house. Like people stopped paying their rent. Like a bunch so of stuff got trashed. We got yeah, robbed. We yeah. got robbed. <laughs> I mean, there was so many things in that house that went horribly wrong. We and basically then, became like it became like a prison. We couldn't even open the windows because yeah. our neighbors were could like see inside. We and, found like, like giant knives in our front yard that were like wrapped in towels. Yeah. yeah, there yeah, were like people that <laughs> that took the wheels off our bikes. I mean, it was just like people. We'd come home and people would be sitting on the back porch or passed out in the lawn. Just like I mean, it was like, had, like, a, <laughs> had, like how did you find this place? It was. Just, it's right over there. Yeah, it's right over there. So. <laughs> It's like across the street. <laughs> but we were like, think of the possibilities, which I think I'm I'm guilty of. I feel like that that's like my number one, like both fantasy universe where I'm like, think of the possibilities. I'm going to ignore some of these horrible things. But, you know, it's like it's counterbalanced. You're just trying to figure out how how many things can you deal with to 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 have it actually be a benefit or a positive experience. You know, you're willing to do some stupid garbage for it to come out as this like sparkly wonderful other thing mm-hmm. with a tiny bit of garbage stuck to it you know <laughs> like yeah. but it's funny cuz cuz back then i mean that was that was like 9 years ago or something it was a long time ago it was probably 2003 so whatever that is it was is. a long time ago and it's like 12 years oh my god so long ago <laughs> but it was one of those things where you're like yeah today if i were like like somebody gave me a list of attributes for this house i would have known instantly no that was a horrible idea like what like come on there's like no good nothing yeah that came out of that not even the idea of what it could be so well, do you normally have like a a way to weigh the pros and cons of anything are you like let me make a checklist or are you just like how do i feel right now I like to, and I think we've talked about this on other podcasts, I like to do the what if situation. And I, I do this every time that we make a call for art. I do this every time we go on a on a trip, when we plan our residencies, when I go on a personal trip or when I do a personal project, anytime I will sit with somebody and sometimes a couple of people and I'll say, okay, what is the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> The worst thing that could possibly happen, and we will have a brainstorm into the depths of hell for a second, and then we will have the, well, what if everything goes right? And then you just kind of imagine it's going to be somewhere in the middle, and hopefully on the positive side, you know? (laughs) And if your worst thing that could possibly happen isn't that bad, like, for example, people don't show up. Like, your, your health is still intact. You haven't spent a bunch of money, hopefully. You maybe have invested some time and your pride has hurt a little bit. Maybe that's an okay thing to take a take a risk. If you're like, I'm going to spend $10,000 on a project that I don't know if it's going to work or not and you've gone through all those things. You're like, the worst thing that could happen is you lose $10,000 and a lot of time and nothing works and whatever. I mean, that's you can kind of see when it's worth just like whatever this isn't that bad let's just try it so when i was talking to my my classroom that i was speaking to i was saying like you know it's somebody has to try something at some point and and dealing with the discomfort of making those decisions or the stress that comes with that i think is just a normal part of being a human being and about making progress i think there are plenty of examples of 
friends, family, colleagues, anybody who are so terrified of failing or of risk that their personal progress is stunted, even though they're totally capable of doing a ton of other stuff because they're unwilling to try to go a little bit further than they would normally do. That the comfort of of knowing exactly what they're going to get comforts them enough to continue to do that thing forever. Yeah, There is a difference between somebody who's comfortable doing the same thing forever, who really enjoys it, who doesn't pine for something beyond what they have, mm-hmm. and somebody who sits there and complains about you know, doing the same thing all the time and never trying something new. I mean, there's a definite difference. Mm-hmm. You know, If you found what you love and you're doing it all day, then you have found the most wonderful thing you can find. And those people should be very happy with what they've got. But if you're constantly searching for something else and never trying, that's when being okay with the discomfort, I think, is essential to growing as a person. Don't you think? Yeah. How yeah. much How much discomfort do you guys go through? Like, Francesca, you just went through a giant, somewhat uncomfortable move. Yeah. Um, it's still kind of a little bit, it's sort of like wet socks and comfortable, you know? <laughs> like, there was a big chunk that I would say is probably before it happened that was actually really uncomfortable, like like really, really uncomfortable. Can you describe that a little bit? I mean, do you, did you go through the same, like, what if I'm doing the wrong thing? Or what if I'm making a big mistake? Yeah. Or And, like, when you got there, did you ever go through that, too, as you're reassessing where you are and what you're doing? You know, I didn't, but I definitely had it before. Really? But once, once, the, once the shot was fired, then it was like, this is your life now. You just commit. You just do yeah. it. Can you go back in time? And when you were trying to make a decision of whether or not to go, what did that feel like? Well, I think that at that time I knew that a change, that I needed a change and that this would definitely fulfill that by its nature. It's probably might be a good idea. I don't know. I, I was actually really fortunate that there's a lot of things pointing that this was going to be okay. I mean, there were still some hard parts to it. Definitely the first time I made a giant move, that was much harder. This time was not quite as hard. Did you have that same sort of apprehension? Like maybe for a second. For a second I really? thought about it, but but not a lot. Moving in general is uncomfortable. You're resetting all sorts of stuff. And I'm sure that you thought about that before you accepted your new position. I'm sure you also thought about that as you're starting your new life over there. Yeah. Was it one of those things where you're like, whatever, this is growing pains. Like anything that I've got to do now is just part of building my new empire or whatever I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know about building an empire. Would you liken it to your majors in Quinn situation? Actually, no. And you know what? I think the difference is the the lack of control. I think that's actually one of my le- my least favorite things is not having control. So that like uncertainty is really uncomfortable. But there was no there was no massive moment where you're like, "Oh my god, is this going to work?" and then panic set in. I I felt sad, but I didn't feel like when I when I was given the job offer, I was like, okay, this is going to be fine. So no panic. It wasn't panic. Sadness, yes, but not panic. Yeah, I was just curious because it's a big choice. And so anytime big choices happen, you're like, I'm going to step off this cliff. Hope I don't yeah. die. So Jenny, do you ever think about this when you are trying to figure out how to spend your time? I think about that a lot, especially like I have limited free time and I try to use it as best as I can, but it always gets filled up really quickly. While you were talking to Francesca, I was actually thinking, I told you guys earlier this week that I might have to move, which is a big deal because they are putting a road in my backyard, which is stupid. (laughs) Wait, what? I know. So we got a letter in the mail. 
And so we might have to move, but Pat and I were talking about it last night, and he said, we should figure out where we want to live next because it'll probably be forever. And I freaked out and was like, the idea of being stuck in a, the same place forever terrifies the crap out of me. That oh, terrifies yeah. me more than the idea of like moving around. I would rather have the freedom to like change between stuff, and that feels more comforting for whatever yep. reason. That's interesting. The only thing that would make you stay there, stay there, mm-hmm. is if you couldn't get rid of your house. Yeah. Things are still kind of movable. But I can understand a person on both sides wanting to, to stake their claim and like form their, you know, empire there. Right. I'm all about these forming empires also. Well see by the, the way. thing is you can't you can't form an empire if you don't decide to stay in a place. That's right. one thing about being nomadic is you are not forming any empires. You are covering a lot of ground. Yes. But you're but yeah. you're not growing very tall. That, okay. <laughs> and that makes sense. I was actually going to ask Chris one more thing that, that is similar. So the other day we were, well, Chris was really seriously watching Battlestar Galactica and I was half-heartedly watching it because it is super stressful and I've got enough enough of that. Um, but we were sitting there and we were thinking, so if you think about the beginning of our conversation too, where we were saying, okay, well, well, that feeling that you get when you're making a hard decision like for example, if 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 Pat goes, I want to move to uh, South Minneapolis. That's where yeah. I want to be. Yeah. And and he's like, Are you with me? And then you're like, Uh. And then <laughs> and so in Battlestar Galactica, Chris. Yeah. What was the scenario? The scenario was a commander of a ship was saying one thing. The son of the overall commander of the army was saying another thing, and then they both were ordering the soldiers. And so it was sort of a standoff of which commander the soldiers were going to follow. And so I was thinking about this with our conversation because I was like, man, that must be the most terrifying thing in those situations, too. I mean, of course, it's Battlestar Galactica, and they're having like a, like a space war or whatever. But to sit there and to be like, are you with me or are you not with me? And if you're not with me, then all of my everything crumbles. Like my president analogy with all of his gray hair. Like I'm sure every single day he's got to figure out which which stand he's got to take and who he's going to make mad. But you know the aftermath of what happened there. What do you think went through the minds of both of those people? Well, you know? in a situation like that, I think that if you are staking a claim and saying, I'm doing this, everyone who wants to do this with me, follow me. I mean, in that case, it was a giant line. I mean, it could just be like a group wants to go get McDonald's or Burger King. And you're like, (laughs) I'm going to Burger King. No way am I going to McDonald's. Who's with me? And then everyone else just goes with the other group. And then you are stuck by yourself. And it's sort of a... Or do you follow the other group? Or then do you... Yeah, that's the thing is do you back down and follow the other group? I don't know. See, that happened on Lost a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's hard. Let's go in the sand or in the forest. Actually, yeah, that actually did happen. That totally happened. I could just guess that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, that happened all the time, actually. That's funny. (laughs) I kept thinking of that conversation we had a long time ago about if you jump ship or not. Oh, yeah. If you would stay as the captain or and like be there when it sinks or if you would be like I'm out of here. Well, see in see this case ship. it was see like it, it was like the the two people had perfectly legitimate plans with no way of knowing what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was kind of an interesting situation because I can only imagine how stressful that would be to do that, but in a tiny tiny way anytime a person starts a zine and puts a public call out for that, 
or anytime somebody gets like has a get together where they want people to come by and like actually show up and contribute art or critique or something like that. I mean, every or majors and Quinn, <laughs> anytime yeah. that you have those situations, the exact same. You're like, are you well, with me? That's why the majors and Quinn thing is a little bit different than a call for art because a call for art, you, for instance, with this Cosmos project, you need a certain participation rate. For the project to to work. It either goes or it doesn't go because you can't do it with less. Mm -hmm. Whereas Majors and Quinn, if no one shows up, you know, you spent your time, maybe you spent your pride or whatever, but otherwise that's the extent. Whereas the Cosmo thing, if enough people don't sign up, it's not, it can't happen. So So it's a little bit more treacherous. High stakes. Yeah, high stakes. And you've already put the time in to do the, you know, investment into talking to the manufacturers and things like that. And so so. this is a nice thing. And, And to... For anybody that has not looked at the blog, there are no worries about whether or not Cosmos is going to work. <laughs> we have a, a ton of really great people that have submitted, um, and we're still taking submissions, by the way. This is my my random thing to put anybody's mind at ease. We are no longer worried about <laughs> about that. I think the it's always just the initial, like, what's going to happen? Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Oh, um, well, yeah. There's always the thought that, like, is this the one? Yeah, and, and you no always assume that and, and everyone's too busy this time. Everyone's got something else going on. And and you do have to be careful about that because, you know, over Christmas or holidays or something like that, it might be a lot more treacherous because people have a lot more commitments going on and things like that. But I always assume that I mean if you if you do the if you do your analysis, it's always better to try and see what happens. And pull it down in three hours. And pull it down in three hours. <laughs> just try try and see what happens and just let yourself take a little bit of an ego bruising and just yeah. see. Because you know what? If 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 I would have freaked out and would have pulled the Cosmos thing down, which is just because we're talking about the Cosmos or whatever, um, we never would have saw how many people cared about it. People wouldn't have had the chance to tell their friends about it. People, you know, stuff wouldn't have had the chance to happen. But... It's going great, and it will continue to get cooler and cooler because of the participation of people that are coming from, you know, wherever. On that note, you should take a look at it. Even if you're just floating through the the links that people have posted, we have over 300 people that have applied for the Cosmos. My mind was set at ease about a couple hours afterwards, and I didn't have to stress out anymore. Um, But it's fantastic. I mean, what it does is it gives me the chance to, to understand who's... Who's up for another project? Who's up for this project? Who's up for future conversations about things? And it also helps me gauge an interest in how far I can push new ideas. I mean, there is a little bit of confidence building in what we can provide to the community just because you can see the aftermath of a of like a call for art or a you know project you know maybe there's something we learned from the majors and Quinn thing about preparation or about like having five events that are basically the same in a I row, you know, like that if you have multiple events in the row, if they're all the same, it's all, all the same the, people. Yeah. yeah. The same one. People who wanted to see it probably saw it in the first They probably couple. saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we learn things. We learn things about living in that house. I mean, you learn stuff and, and without going out on a limb, you probably can't find that out and you probably can't fine tune and you probably can't see what's next. So yeah. that being said, I feel like maybe I should consider these gray hairs like little badges of honor. little frizzy badges of honor i feel like you and i are very different when it comes to the amount of risk we want to take on 
Yeah. And I feel I don't have any gray hairs. I know. I was going to say that you're going to say well, we're very different. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. We have. But <laughs> yeah, me and Jenny are like, yeah. But that then, doesn't mean yeah. I, I, I think that gray hair might just be a genetics. Thing. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, it um, might be. I was going to say <laughs> crow's that. Crow's feet over here. <laughs> Jenny's got one crow's <laughs> foot per, per stress zone. Um, oh. But I feel like everything that I do is usually prompted by you because I probably would sit in a much more comfortable zone if it was Well, you're my, you. you're, you're like, I have my, my Star Trek crew of, of engineers and security officers and whatever. And I go, should we, should we do this? And we go in the briefing room and then we have a big conversation. And then you guys are like, I feel like this is a bad idea. And then I'm like, okay. It's a team effort, which I think we, we help each other feel more comfortable about the risky things and, and or more comfortable leaving the risky things behind because it's a lot easier to have a cabinet of input. So you get to contribute. And I get to be taken along for a ride sometimes, <laughs> depending on what's going on. <laughs> but you contribute a lot. And if you didn't contribute it, it would be so much harder to decide whether or not some of this stuff was going to work. So thank you guys for listening to this. I'm going to give this over to Chris to tell you where you can find these calls for art so you can see the the toiling that we've gone through and just imagine the stress that might have happened as we were trying to put this stuff up here. So now it's a low stress time. Chris, where is everything on the internet? Well, you can find the calls for art and all the opening events on blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can like us on Facebook and that's facebook.com slash lightgrayartlab. You can follow us on Twitter, we're at Light Gray Art Lab. You can follow us on Tumblr, we're lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. Awesome. And if you guys can, if you are on the internet and you want to go over to the iTunes Store and give us a rating, that would be fantastic. Um, thanks to everybody that's listening to this conversation, and we will talk with you soon. Here, I'll tell you a quick story about every time that I have to be worried if anyone's going to show up. My birthday, because it is December 27th. <laughs> and I'll tell you <laughs> about the, the one time, time that I probably so just sad. gave up doing birthdays. And that was, we decided to have a wonderful birthday meal. And we called all my friends. <laughs> and none of them felt like coming out. Everybody said, for, we've been partying all Christmas. Except for one couple. And then we said okay we'll come pick you up and we'll go out to dinner and then we picked him up and only one of them got in the car then he said um she's not going to come and then he said okay well here we go who's who's going to be there and i was like just you (laughs) and then he sat there quietly for the whole car ride and we got to the restaurant and then we said table for three please and then he said actually i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna walk home and then and then he walked home (laughs) It was <laughs> the saddest. Face was so angry. And I was sad. furious. I was like, "You're either all in or you're not." And then I flipped the table. <laughs> I was like, "You jerks!" So, but so then I, I said, "Never again shall I celebrate my birthday." See, and that and that is the lesson here.